Welcome, welcome all, church and follow as several visitors, I see, to this place of worship, virtual and physical. We have about 10 people online joining us uh, here as well. We've been making this space sacred for 122 years. Can you feel it? <laughs> Welcome to those who are joining us remotely. Uh, and where am I? Uh, and to those here in the building, and to those watching the recording at a later time. For those here in person, you are all invited to join us for a cuppa of coffee or tea immediately following our service. It is our sacrament of hospitality. My opening words are by Adam Slate. We gather this morning as one community, a community united by common ideals, love, justice, diversity, freedom, mutual care, equity. Yet look around you. Look at the faces of those around you. Each face represents an individual. Each one of us, with our own story, needs, strengths, and faults. And also the uniqueness that lives within each of us. We like this challenge remembering and honoring our own tradition and celebrating the rich diversity of traditions among us. As we search for justice, meaning, and purpose, may we remember that justice, meaning, and purpose live first in deeply listening to one another. Now, if you could join me, it'll be on the screen in a moment, to recite the covenant of our congregation. Love, doctrine of this church, the quest for truth is a sacrament, and prayer is a sacrament. To seek knowledge and freedom, to serve humankind and fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony, 
remember me telling you the story of the 1969 UUA General Assembly in Boston. It was at the height of the black empowerment movement in America. For that reason, many black UUs attended instead of the token few who usually came. White UUs were shocked and wondered where they all came from. They had always been there since the 18th century, but had been generally ignored or discounted. We were more diverse than we had been aware of, or at least acknowledged. But in 1969, Systemic racism reared its ugly head, undermining that diversity, and many black UUs walked out the door never to return. Thank God, much, thank God we don't believe in, much has happened with the Unitarian Universalism since then, within Unitarian Universalism. So it was highly newsworthy when my friend Sophia Betancourt, a woman, a person of color, and openly clear with an open, overwhelmingly elected as president of the UUA. New Zealand Unitarians don't have that history, but look around you. How many people of color do you see? You're not looking. <laughs> or you already know the answer. <laughs> what accounts for this? I suggest that the reason is that a white monarch has always ruled Our lack of diversity is due to colonialism, which gave whiteness an uneven hand over the first people of the land. The Tangata Fedua became subjects of whiteness. In his most recent book, Queen is Dead, indigenous Australian journalist and writer, Stan Grant, uses the white queen as a metaphor. He writes, there will never again be a queen who reigns in a world where whiteness is so assured. The empire into which she was born and over which she reigned is a thing of nostalgia. Like a cool autumn evening, 
when the sun dips early and the branches of stark trees stripped of their leaves hang still in the breathless air. Britain itself is a thing of faded beauty. I want that Britain to lay its burden down. The white queen is dead. Let the spell be broken. This spell has been cast for a thousand years. It is an evil magic, a trick of nature, which fixes a hierarchy of humanity with people who imagine that they are white at the top and those deemed not white measured below. We have created a world in the image of whiteness. White monarchs, white scientists, white artists, white poets, white musicians, white thinkers, white terror, and white fear. Yes, and white love, and white mercy, but still white. All of it, white. With this in mind, in one minute, name ten famous people who come to mind. Go. You can speak it aloud. <laughs> in one minute, name ten famous people who come to mind. Okay. Now, how many of those names that you heard were white? Now take another minute. Name ten famous people who are not white. These people have shaped our world too. Their thoughts and faith and art have fired our imagination. But I doubt they come so quickly to mind. So, one minute. Gandhi. Joe Barry, Michael Jackson, also Mandela. Not bad, not bad. I've heard it work. <laughs> Was it easier? Stan Grant offers this reason. Under the spell of whiteness, it is the white people we see first. The whitest stars that shine brightest. 
Interestingly, when I ask someone to name those people who are not white, no one says Jesus. In a world where whiteness is prized, Jesus, a dark-haired, dark-skinned Jewish man from the Middle East, has become bathed in beatific white splendor. I love that phrase. Many years ago, while I was leading a youth group retreat, I showed them a film where Jesus was portrayed as brown and balding, with spindly legs and a pot belly. The young people could not take it in. Whiteness had already blinded them to the possibility of this portrayal. When I was born, there were five billion fewer people on the planet. Having grown up in the western U.S., where few blacks had gone to, I hadn't known more than the three black people at down my own age. My high school had 3,700 students and not one was black. It was not until my university, until university that I had black friends. Even then, black students were few and far between and their presence was only due to affirmative action. So, does anyone care to guess how many white people there are now on Earth today? Cowards. Okay. <laughs> one and a half billion. Do I hear more? One huh? One billion? <sighs> Any other guesses? Going, going, going. <laughs> By some estimates, there are only about 700 million people in the world who we would call Caucasian. You can fit twice that number into China or India. That is fewer than one in 10 people. The United Nations says that by 2025, some 98% of the world's population growth will be in nine non-white countries, particularly Africa and Asia. Gravity is tilting. In 1900, Europe had a quarter of the world's population. But by the middle of the present century, 
that has fallen to just 7%. By 2050, it is thought that one in four people on Earth will be African. So fewer than 10% of the people in the world are white. But why does it seem that the sum number is so much greater? Stan Grant has an answer. Because whiteness is all around us. It is a swarm, all-seeing, all-knowing whiteness. When engulfed by whiteness, all else dims because it is everywhere. It frames everything. We live in a maze of mirrors and each one distorts our reality. Once trapped in whiteness, we cannot easily find our way out. And in each warped mirror, whiteness stirs back at us. Since a tiny number of white people have conquered the world, and I do mean conquered by, with force and their law, they have subdued the planet. Whiteness has bent the world to its will. Are these people who think of themselves white so supernaturally gifted? Are they chosen by the gods? Do they possess some wisdom unknown to the rest of us? No. The conquest of whiteness is no divine providence. It is no accident. It was drawn on maps. It was sailed on ships. It was written in books. It was weighed in gold. It was marched in columns. It was sounded off in cannon fire. It was hoisted on flags. It was named empire. Like most of us here, I have benefited in untold ways simply because I was born white. Because whiteness also relies on patriarchy to maintain its power. I have benefited twofold. It is important to note that every benefit I gave, gave came at the expense of those not born white or male. While I did not choose to be a white male, I did choose to be a UU. That requires being more concerned for those on the margins of whiteness than myself. It requires my standing up against injustice that seeks to dim the beauty and contribution of people of color by depriving them of opportunity. We, as a, a denomination, do this because whatever our skin color, 
we have been far too long the subject of whiteness. My dream is that future ministers in this pulpit will one day look out and see the glory of humanity's full diversity and rejoice. We extinguish this flag. To the Lord, or the fire. At this time, we gather in small groups of five or six to discuss a question. It's a gentle way to get to know each other and not just always talk to the same people at coffee hour. Uh, your question for the day is, how have you benefited from whiteness or paid a price for not being white.